0: Welcome to Sensitive Sundays, a show where we normalize vulnerability and pretend like tomorrow is not Monday. My name's Alyssa. And my name's Carly. And today we're talking about grief how loss impacts us, and maybe some ways we can navigate it. Yeah, learning some of those coping mechanisms mm-hmm. that are difficult. Mm-hmm. Especially with this topic. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic because, again, I think it's a topic not a lot of people talk about. Maybe more so nowadays than in other times, but mm-hmm. I... Um, I just think it's a great topic, so
1: it, and it's really vulnerable and deep. So yeah, you know, hopefully everybody is ready to go there with us today too. And if not, then come back to it, you know, at a time where you are ready to dive into something that's a little bit more difficult and sensitive.
0: Love it, yeah.
1: but I guess before we get into this sensitive topic, Alyssa, what are you feeling sensitive about on this Sunday?
0: I'm feeling sensitive about family Mm. and what I mean by that is I just had my cousin from out of town come to visit Mm -hmm. and um, she my family is kind of all over the place. She's in Michigan. I'm here in California and we don't really get to see each other very often. So it was really a nice treat that she came out with her family to go to Disneyland and to baseball games and stuff. And I got to tag along for a couple of the things. I didn't go to Disneyland, even though I really wanted to. (laughs) A little too expensive right now, but... It's more of like a positive sensitivity. I just realized how grateful I am for my family. Mm-hmm. And especially with her, I felt like I really got to connect with her on a deeper level. It just was really nice. And I felt like she and I bonded more so than ever before. Well,
1: that's awesome, Melissa. Yeah. It's hard having family that lives, you know, further away cuz then you get to see them maybe once a year and Exactly. I feel really disconnected from my family like I feel like I don't know them and they don't really know me. It's just mm-hmm. kind of that surface level like, oh, we're blood related, so we spend time together when we're around.
0: Right, which again is only like what, once a year mm-hmm. or and your family is all over the place too, right? Yeah. So, it's it's and I think this is something a lot of people can relate to. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe some people kind of grew up around their family and stayed near them, and that's that's kind of a experience in itself. Mm-hmm. But for me, I my family was all over the place, and so getting to see them was usually more like a once a year thing. If I mean, as becoming an adult and going to college, it became less so. Actually, and getting a job, like you have to dedicate your time to either going on vacation with your PTO or mm-hmm. or seeing your family. I mean, mm-hmm. I know they can go hand in hand, but depending on how close you are with your yeah. family, like you might just want to go with a friend or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know. and especially
1: when they live on the East Coast, right? It's yes. like, do I want to make a trip out there and you know get jet lag and lose all of my concept of what time is in Pacific Standard Time? Right. Um. And, you know, lose a day essentially in going that direction versus like staying out here or doing something more
0: south or. Exactly. Because travel time too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. It's kind of a give or take. Like I want to see my family. I miss them and I love them. But also do I dedicate my time to, I mean, I guess that doesn't really apply to me right now because I'm Uh just still unemployed. So I've been able to do a lot of a little more Mm -hmm. traveling than I would, but Yeah. I mean, the majority of people are having to deal with that give and take. Yeah. And I'm glad that you have the
1: ability for your cousins to come out here, too, to visit you. I mean, we live in a destination spot, so that's the nice part. People love to come to Southern California. And if we're here, then it's a good opportunity for everyone to take a vacation, too. And my friend just came to visit,
0: Yeah, um,
1: too, from Northern California. so. It was nice to have her here in the same way and mm-hmm. it's it sucks when we can't see people that we care about or wanna get to keep in touch with or connect with more.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad I got to meet her. She was so yeah. nice. So thank you for introducing us. Yeah, of that course. It was a good experience.
1: Yeah. It, it's really nice because she, you know, got along really well with everybody out here. And I, I knew that she would. She's she fitting she immediately. Fits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so unfortunate she doesn't like warm weather, so she's not going to move out here. But
0: no, yeah, <laughs> it was nice.
1: And we can post a picture on Instagram of
0: the four yeah. of us together so you guys can see
1: Jordan, yeah. my friend.
0: We went to the park. It was a great time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Um, Carly. Yes. What are you feeling sensitive about this Sunday?
1: I think I also am feeling well. So I have two things. One is positive, and one is not positive. Okay. Okay. I'll start with the not positive one and end on a positive note. But um, my not positive thing is just like feeling like I don't have enough time mm. to do everything that I wanted to, and. You know, we were supposed to record this morning and I had notes that I still had to do and I have been trying to work out and I worked out for 10 minutes this morning. So that's like,
0: hey, something. that's a win. That's a win. You got it done. <laughs> you got a little bit done.
1: But if you hadn't been running late, then I wouldn't have gotten all of it done. So, okay. you know, to me, it worked out perfectly. But I feel like this scarcity of of time and being able to do everything that I want to do. In my life at the same time and that's the hard part is I have to wait for some things or push some things off or, you know, to figure out how, what to cut out so that I can fit everything yeah. in. And that's been a real struggle for me lately.
0: Mm-hmm. That's adulting at its finest, unfortunately, because, and again, this is another topic that everyone can probably relate to because we all feel the need to be working and working full time takes up yeah. a ton of your time. And especially when you're adults, pre-children, pre major major responsibilities i mean your job is a major responsibility that's mm-hmm. why you prioritize it but you have all of these dreams and desires that you want to do with your time and dedicate and learn and grow and etc cetera, etc cetera. and you're having to you know balance it yeah. with this job that takes up a lot of your time and even like this podcast this is taking up part of your time every mm-hmm. week but it's something you're choosing to do but yeah. there's a bunch of little things i'm sure you've been wanting to do so i i can back when i was working i could relate to you 100 yeah and it's it's tough it feels like you're kind of wasting your days away doing the same thing mm-hmm. when you're like well, but i want to be doing this too i want to be dancing more i want to yeah. be playing music i want to be working on your rugs your carpets or <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know? exactly i want to make more rugs yeah see more friends travel yeah. more like yeah it's there's It sucks because you have to find the balance, but that's why people change careers and find jobs where they dedicate less time, but they make less money, but maybe it's worth it to them. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 I wish I could give you some good advice, but (laughs) we're all going through it. (laughs)
1: Okay. I don't think I need advice today. I think I just need people to hear and understand, you know, that it's tough. And I think people can totally relate to having it, having a hard time creating balance in life. Yeah. So that's my, you know, not so positive thing. Mm-hmm. And then my positive thing is um, Brittany Broski inspired me, you know, a couple of weeks ago to start playing Toontown again. Um, and this is a game that Alyssa and I used to play in middle school together. We'd, yes. we'd talk on our, our home phones to mm-hmm. each other while we played because Discord didn't exist back then. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I've am i been playing more to experience more nostalgia to like have something fun to kind of offload my brain i tend to bring work home and think about it too much if i'm not doing something that's like really entertaining and making me feel present Mm -hmm. and i think toontown is just something that i I get sucked into all the time it's like really basic and silly and
0: fun yeah but it's nice to turn your mind off sometimes like It's still, I think what I like about Toontown is that it's kind of set up to be a positive environment for the Mm -hmm. most part. Like, you can't really trash talk people on that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on that platform. And you're really given a lot of tasks where you have to take down these capitalistic yeah. bots right but also when you're a higher level a lot of your tasks are to help newbies yeah and i think that kind of sets the game up for you to to want to help other people obviously mm-hmm. so I, I get what you mean and it, it's okay to like do something that turns your mind off even if it seems simple mm-hmm. but if it makes you happy it makes you happy and it oh. it makes me happy to play with you again <laughs> yeah
1: it's so cute Alyssa and I have been playing a little bit you know on discord in our spare time yeah. too and you know just talking as we're going through it and it's really fun to help each other and help other people. You know, we talk about our tasks and, like, go yeah. do them together. And I think it's so it's like a, a play date where I don't have to see her in person, but like, exactly, we get to still spend time together. So it's it's been really nice to spend some time doing that.
0: It really does take me back to what was it? Seventh grade that we did it. Probably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting what you said, your partner said, when he researched the um, demographic of who plays. Do you want to share that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well,
1: I don't know the exact numbers, so I can Mm -hmm. look them up. But the majority of people who play Toontown these days are people who are adults. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I would assume people in their 20s to 30s.
0: Which I personally think makes sense because they're not like advertising the game and it's not like Toontown was a big deal for. I mean, they might have. I, I guess I'm not really up to date on kids shows on Disney Channel or anything, but I don't think Toontown is a is something that's talked about a lot. Yeah. I know it's at Disneyland, but
1: so one of the the forums, MMO Central forum, says that it's like 43 percent teens and 36 percent adults. Mm, okay, from what I understand, and then everybody younger is like in the minor percentages okay um so it's mostly teens and adults okay at this point so so i think that makes sense but um i don't know the exact adult range i guess anybody 18 and up like
0: yeah i would assume yeah i mean i don't think there's people in their 40s or above on there but who knows yeah possibly Yeah, I just think it's kind of funny. So um, I remember I was going into a building with a group of random people. Uh And one person was like, Oh, yeah, I have a job interview later today. And I immediately I just kind of assumed it was someone my age. So I'm like, Oh, in what field? Like what what job field is the interview for? And they were like, "Uh, Goodwill. Uh (laughs) And they said, it's gonna be my first job. and I was like, Oh, yay, congrats. you're gonna kill it or something it, it's funny because uh, in toon tone you have no idea how old
1: these people no. are because everybody kind of talks similarly like you can tell a little bit maturity wise but i would have no clue who's an adult and who's not right if, if we didn't talk to people
0: yeah in some ways it's just crazy how much time how the game still seems similar to when we played it but also yeah, yeah absolutely and that's not to
1: say that we are disney adults but we definitely enjoy this game that's based in the Disney universe.
0: Yeah. And you know, we might be a little bit Disney adults, just not to the extreme. We both enjoy our time yeah. at Disneyland. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would
1: say that's, that's the baseline, though. Yeah. We're not extremist about it either. No. <laughs>
0: no. You will not see me decked out head to toe in Disney gear. I mean, unless whatever. But Halloween? Yeah. Halloween, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of going as Barbie this year because, well, actually, so my partner really wants me to dress up like Oppenheimer and for him to dress up like Barbie. Oh, uh, (laughs) that's really cute, actually. I I think that's a great spin. So, but then we decided that he actually wants to dress up like Alan. Oh, he wants to be (laughs) Alan. (laughs) And then for me to maybe be Barbie. I just, sorry, I know I'm going a little off topic, but- I've always stopped myself every year when, like, a big fad goes around where everyone dresses up like that for Halloween. Like, when um, Suicide Squad came out and everybody dressed up like Harley Quinn, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to do it. But I was like, oh, everybody's going to do it. I'll do it some other year. And then other years come and I'm just like, I don't want to do it as much anymore. I don't know why I stopped myself just because everyone else is doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, so what? So what if everyone else is doing it? I might as well do it when I want to. So... Mm that's kind of how i feel about barbie because everybody's gonna be ken and barbie and whoever else Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm not gonna let myself stop myself this time just because i want to be different or whatever (laughs) nice elissa and you're gonna make a great barbie thank you do you relate to that yeah wanting to be different because everyone else is i think i
1: still have a little bit of that like Syndrome from high school that like not wanting to be not like the other girls type yeah. situation, but I think at the end of the day, if you really you really liked Barbie, and I think it could be really fun to dress up as Barbie. Yeah. So I don't see the problem with it at all. I I don't think that I could dress up as Barbie and feel really good in it. And I think no. that's the reason that stops me.
0: Yeah. Why is that? I
1: think when I try too hard, I like don't feel good mm. in how I look. Um. So.
0: It's that's very easy
1: if I don't try that hard and I yeah. just see something that's like grounded mm-hmm. so that I don't have to like feel bad in my appearance.
0: Oh, yeah. Bow, bow. <laughs> no, I mean, I get that. I get that because Halloween's kind of an interesting time, especially depending on the uh, situation you put yourself in that evening. Like if you're yeah. going to a party or if you're just kind of staying home or. Which, you know, every year I've been mostly just staying home. Like, I was mm-hmm. deathly ill last year with a fever, so I couldn't do yeah. anything for Halloween. Um, I was also sick on Halloween. When we went to Horror Nights. Oh, it's right? the cold that I gave you in yeah. Brady. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you got me a little sicky, but that's all right. Because we had a fantastic time at Horror Nights, which it sounds <gasps> like we might be doing again this year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hey, it happens. Anyway, okay, we've sufficiently gotten off topic. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> um, back to grief and coping with our grief, um, Carly. Let's let's start with like a question. What was your? This is, I think, to, a good way to kick it off. Like, okay. how would you say your upbringing was in terms of grief? Like, how did your parents talk to you about it? How did your brother, your friends, like how how would you say they've influenced how you deal with grief and and how they deal with grief. Yeah. I think it depends
1: on the situation. Mm -hmm. I think my family is pretty good at not talking about their feelings in some ways. Like my family doesn't really use feelings words and they are more logical, I guess, at least my dad is Mm -hmm. in a sense. And so I think I get a lot from him of not wanting to share things or be vulnerable or wanting to, like, problem solve rather than actually sit in it. So part of it is, like, I I get, you know, my family's dynamics of of not really talking things through. And then the other piece is, like, from, from a Jewish upbringing perspective, you know, the way that you at least do mourning, like, the grief and loss of people and of life um, is you sit shiva. So you you know, go to a person's house and then you sit all day and like, don't do anything except like sit and tell stories and talk about the person and, you know, spend time with family. And I think when my grandpa passed away, that was like a really healing experience for me. And so that's kind of where I put my understanding of processing grief and mourning. is like being together and talking about positive experiences with the person, like that's, that's really what I associate with that In terms of other forms of grief, though, I don't really get to see positive processing, I think, of that. Mm. Like, I can't really think of a time where my parents talked about, you know, a loss that they had in one way or another in a way where they've, like, processed and accepted and let go of it. It's more of, like, a sadness or a a frustration still about it. And, you know, it still gets acted out today. So, Mm -hmm. um For me, I feel like I don't really have a good understanding of what accepting and letting go looks like in other forms of grief. I don't know. What about you, Alyssa? Like, how has your upbringing impacted how you think about grief?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say it's pretty similar to yours, frankly. I, the only difference is that, like, I know you know this, but my mom being a social worker, she, like, her main job was in hospice. So the topic of grief and just death in general was brought up a lot in my household with her. And so it became a little less of a taboo topic, talking about end of life things, if we're talking about grief in that form. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I I was actually going to ask you, like, how often you see your parents cry. Because for me, I think, like, I've seen my dad cry a few times more than I think most people see yeah. their dads cry. And to me, like, Sure, it it's a sad thing, but also it's nice to see that he's capable of sharing his emotion yeah. and he's not afraid to show it. Like, he doesn't necessarily have that mindset of, oh, I have to be brick and I can't show my emotions. And I think that's, as, although it's difficult as a child to see him yeah. break down because... You don't want to see your parents like that. You want to just think that they're invincible. But it's also nice to see he's human, too, yeah. and he has emotions and he has to process them, too. So, I, yeah, I mean, I I relate to you because in terms of, like, your situation with your grandpa, that is how my family functions, too. If someone mm-hmm. dies, we get together and we try to – we grieve, but we also kind of make light of the situation and mm-hmm. tell stories and – and uh share laughs and stuff and try to just bring the happiness into the situation but yeah I mean there's all forms of grief and and how we cope with them and my family is kind of all over the place like I I have a sister who has crazy anxiety she's much better now but like gosh her form of grieving something like whether it's as minor as a situation not going the way she wants versus a pet dying it's it can be all over the place. Like she can get really angry or she can just kind of get quiet or just be sobbing and, and not, you know, it, it just kind of depends. So yeah. 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 That makes sense. I'm
1: glad that you get the Mm. experience to see your family, like express feelings. I feel like I don't see it too much. I guess Mm -hmm. my family is pretty good at like suppressing, expressing things. So yeah, it's, I mean, while it can be difficult, like, emotions are difficult to hold in general, and it's difficult to see the people that we love and care about be emotional. Right. But at the same time, I'm glad that you get it modeled to you that, you know, that it's okay to do that, and it it's necessary to be able to process in some way. So, yeah, you know, it's nice. Um, and I've seen, you know, my – I've seen my dad cry a couple of times, and my mom and I cry about – cry in movies and things like yeah. that. You know, like, I think <laughs> – I've seen her cry in, in little moments, but it's like not really a big, um, intense thing. It's mm-hmm. more, you know, like it's been really sweet. The times where my dad has cried, it's been times where like he's been really emotional, mm-hmm. but I but I don't see it that much. I can maybe say like two or three times in my life I've seen him cry and that's about it yeah Um, and it's not you know like a masculinity thing i think either it's more just like emotions are hard yeah and our family doesn't do emotions very well
0: and there is the other side of when you have parents that are too emotional in front of you like Mm -hmm. where it's it kind of messes with you i've had moments of that where i'm just like oh my gosh I can't take on your emotions right now. I have to deal with mine because I'm a teenage girl or something. I have so many emotions.
1: (laughs) Right. And then they get uh, taken out on each other because we have so many emotions. that We don't know what to do with them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I I think the next best thing to talk about is kind of the stages of grieving because maybe Mm -hmm. I'm sure everyone's probably heard of it, but they may not know it to the degree that you or I possibly do. So do you want to walk us through it? Sure, (laughs) sure.
1: Um, Well, so Elizabeth Kubler-Ross developed, like, the five stages of grief. And so that's often, like, the model that I think about when I think about helping other people through grief. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, you know, denial and shock, anger, depression, sadness, Mm -hmm. bargaining, which is, like, um, having wishes about what could be different. Yeah um and acceptance and I know that you know you learned about a, a sixth stage of grief Alyssa do you want to share a little bit about sure. that Sure.
0: yeah thank you um yeah one of my last therapy sessions we were talking about the different stages of grief because I was talking about the whole losing my job and cat and things like that yeah. and um, Um, My therapist made me realize that when I'm going through grief, I actually most often fixate on this new stage, this sixth stage that – what's his name? David Kessler has introduced to the world (laughs) Um, called Finding Meaning. So it's when you are trying to find a reason, some type of closure for – well, I'll read what he said. He said, many people look for closure after a loss – and Kessler argues that it's finding meaning beyond the stages of grief most of us are familiar with, you know, as you said, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Those are what can transform grief into a more peaceful and hopeful experience. So I I constantly am trying to find meaning. Like, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Why did my cat get cancer and die at such a young age? Yeah. Like, it's not fair. Why did it happen? And I can apply that to anything that I'm grieving about in life. Like, I just want to know the reason behind it. But Mm -hmm. that's one of those uh, magical unknown things that you'll never get to know Mm. because it's just how the cookie crumbles. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I guess that's acceptance, right? Like, that's where you are right now. It's like, you know, I'll never have the answer. And and I just have to be okay with that, Mm -hmm. which is difficult to do when, you know, we still haven't fully processed and and been in a place where, where we can hold, you know, that reality. Right. It's, it's so difficult. I mean, even for me, you know, I have trouble with even fictional situations where there's grief and loss. Like that's what inspired me to, to bring up this topic is, you know, a character died in a book that I thought was like a really amazing character. Yeah. And I couldn't deal with it, you know? So, so I think finding meaning, is is a huge part of that too and I guess it kind of feels similar to bargaining but not the same thing you know of like wondering why versus wishing it were different they're, mm-hmm. they're two separate things but at the same time like we want to really understand what happened and understand and find a way to I guess I guess like uh David Kessler's saying like look for closure look for a way to be able to put it away and not think about it Yeah, in the, in the same way with sadness and with anger and with shock sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the situation.
0: It is probably the most common stepping stone to acceptance. Mm. So I'm actually surprised that it didn't become a part of the stages of grief until recently because, I mean, I I don't know. I feel like that is the most common thing. You You try to find the meaning behind it and then you can maybe get to acceptance Mm. if you're able to find some type of resolution in yourself i don't know i mean this might be a deep
1: question Alyssa, or like a vulnerable one but like do you think that you have found meaning in some of these
0: losses (sighs) shoot yeah that's a deep question um (laughs) i think i mean it's just about coping for me i i like I'll never really know the meaning why Todd died at such an early age. Sorry, I'm just giving an example because that makes it easier for me. But, okay, so a reason that I think maybe it could have happened was, and this is like putting myself at the center of the universe, right? Um, I really stopped myself from traveling a lot because I – felt like I was running out of time with him in general because he was an older cat, nine years old, but I still thought I had probably four or five at least more years with him. But it was stopping me from going out to places and traveling because I felt the need to come home and be with my cat because he was older. And so I think in some ways this whatever higher being, I believe in like the universe Mm -hmm. speaking to me, um, was kind of trying to... Give me an opportunity to let go of that barrier and um, maybe take Todd away, so that I wouldn't stop myself from experiencing life in a way that I could be. Mm. Uh, if I feel kind of guilty even saying that, but it is a thought that came across my head, and I hate it. I I wish I could speak back to the universe and say, "No, I don't need that. Bring him back." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's the best example I can give in terms of trying to find meaning behind why that happened. Yeah. I don't know. It's never yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, we'll never
1: have an actual answer, but, right. you know, do you think it's helped finding that meaning for you
0: and, like, understanding it in that way? I try to accept that that could be a reason behind it because I do think life works in mysterious ways. Things happen for a reason in my mind, mm-hmm. which is why I look for meaning so often because I, I believe things happen for a reason. But I don't know. I What about you? Like – how would you answer that i think i I agree you know, like I try to
1: find reasons for why things happened a certain way, and I think a lot of the time my acceptance comes from understanding that it you know was meant to happen that way mm-hmm. and meant to be is such like a a difficult concept in some ways because you know like who wants bad things to happen and have that be something that's like helpful right Right. it's it's not helpful and it doesn't help us even if it propels us forward like you know challenge is the thing that that makes us move most of all but Mm -hmm. at the same time like it's challenging and difficult and I don't think that that needs to be what propels us forward all the time but at the same time like for me the moments have that have been most challenging and the moments that I have felt grief I think it's been I found meaning in it to be able to move forward and to be able to accept that like it's what I had at the time is not what I have today mm-hmm. and I can be happy about that time in my life and like hold that as like a piece of me and what's made me me today
0: Yeah.
1: without at the same time being like oh I wish it was still here to continue to move me like I think with friendships a lot of the time like it sucks not having some friends that I've you know lost in the past or not having the same friendships that I used to have with some people, but at the same time, like life would be different. And I like life the way it is right Mm -hmm. now with the people in my life who were able to you know, help me in the ways that I need it and able to support me in the ways that I need it. Yeah. So it's meant to be in that, this is what I need right now. And if I need something different, then I'm sure I might lose something right now and gain something later in a
0: sense, but you can't see it when
1: you're in that loss and when it's happened.
0: Yeah. I actually, I like that you bring up friendships because I want to normalize leaning on your friends when you're grieving because mm-hmm. there there is obviously a balance. You don't want to overly do it to the point where you burn out that relationship because you just do it too much, I suppose. But like mm-hmm. friends are meant to open up to and let out your feelings and also do the same back. Allow them to open up and let out their feelings and hopefully you can do it in a safe space where you feel the most comfortable because i mean would you agree when you're grieving you're probably in one of your most vulnerable states right yeah yeah absolutely i i don't know anyone who would disagree with (laughs) (laughs) but just in case yeah i i think you're in such a vulnerable mindset that you want to make sure you're letting these feelings out to someone you can trust who's not going to just betray this information or whatever and I think friends are such a nice asset to use when you're grieving because most of the time you're at a similar stage in life you may not even know that they've gone through whatever you're grieving or you're helping prepare them for them eventually possibly having to go through something like that and I just think friends are a good asset like talk to them see how they respond to you some might be better about certain types of grief versus others and and, um i i think that's part of why you're in my relationship is so strong in certain areas especially in the topic of like relationships you're my favorite person to talk to about it because i feel so like safe and comfortable Aww. with you and i feel like you know you've had different experiences than me and i i to you and we can just openly share about them and not feel judgmental about it and mm-hmm. that's at least how i feel i i I'm not going to assume how you feel. Oh, for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just grateful that I have something like that, and I really do hope that everybody gets to have something like that because it's kind of hard to go through life just holding all of the grief that you go yeah. through. Because life is constantly grieving. I mean, there's obviously happy yeah. moments too, but if we're being really honest with ourselves, there's a lot of things to be sad about. I'm I'm freaking upset about the economy and the structure of society uh-huh. and how none of us can buy homes and it's 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 so sad but anyway that's another rabbit hole (laughs) yeah
1: absolutely I mean that it it goes back to that point that there are a million things that we can grieve you Mm -hmm. know at the same time and I guess it's about balancing the the things that we're grieving with what we have and I when I'm in grief it's tough because I tend to be in that place of like feeling like I'm lacking things like oh there's this hole here now Mm -hmm. where there used to be something and one time I was talking to Tanya about that because when I was single, I was grieving being in a relationship as a whole like that experience. When I, especially when I lived with my parents, it was like mm-hmm. really hard. And it was like during the pandemic. So that's like a whole other side of things. But whole I was other like <laughs> yeah. so, so sad about, you know, not having that that space in my bed, having that be occupied by somebody that I cared about. And it was like such such like a conceptual hole. But, you know, Tanya was like, had me reframe it because it was not helping me thinking of myself as like lacking and grieving that space but instead to see it as an opening for something new you know a space where somebody great can eventually you know occupy it when the time is right and when it's the right person right and that helped me so much to kind of I guess reframe my grief and that experience and sometimes that's really hard to do so I understand you know both sides a little bit of it's constantly a process of grief. And like Tanya's <laughs> also taught me that grief is like an onion. You know, there are layers to it. And the the process of grief isn't denial to acceptance. It's, uh, you know, just like a yarn ball full of different knots and layers uh, to unpack. So it's not mm-hmm. like if we're grieving something one day, we'll never grieve that again or we'll never have that experience. But it's right. like we're just dealing with the waves of it.
0: Absolutely. And you're yeah, you're going to keep coming back to the same feelings, even if it's about the same thing you're grieving about, like, you'll just keep coming back. But okay, well, I want to make sure that people understand, like, obviously, it lessens over time, you're not going to always feel as broken or whatever about a particular thing you're grieving about. Yeah. Time does heal wounds. Mm. Do they heal completely? Yeah, I don't know. It depends on the person. I would say no. But it definitely doesn't feel so debilitating. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think there are a lot of things that we can do to at least make that wound a little stronger mm-hmm. or to heal it. You know, aside from time, time is like a great source of healing because, you know, as you get space and get to experience life more and more, you get to see what it's like and do different things with it, you know, with what you have in that moment. I know when we lost my last family dog, my mom got this like huge blown up picture of my dog and it's in the living room I don't know if you've ever seen that picture of buddy Alyssa it's huge it's a huge picture of him and it makes me so happy to see it every time you know even if he's not home and I don't hear his little like toenails clacking on the wood like you know he's still there like in Uh spirit and to me like part of what heals me is thinking about you know having that person still inside of me like I think what is it there's that somebody said something about you know we have multiple lives the lives that like we live in the lives that other people live with us or something mm-hmm. like that like it's like you know it kind of goes with my belief that like you know even if I passed away like you guys would still think about me and I would still have you know like a presence in your lives in a way so it's not like I would you know like, just
0: be gone mm-hmm. yeah I I think I think a lot of fear around death in particular is the fear of being forgotten mm-hmm. Like and that's why so many people Are so hellbent on making Their mark in this world mm-hmm. they want to be Remembered and I Can totally relate like I feel that way Too I think that's part of why I've Felt so strongly for so long about Wanting to release a music Album because mm-hmm. the idea Of me leaving something That people can listen back to I mean I guess we're kind of doing that now a podcast. With Whoa. this podcast <laughs> But I've always kind of have that morbid thought around my music, because I'm just like I really want to release music so that people can listen to my voice and mm. and sing along and remember the the type of soul or whatever that I was in this world. Mm. And I totally agree, like about Buddy, your dog, uh-huh. like it seeing this picture kind of. Makes it so you're less afraid of forgetting about him and the memories you have with him. I, yeah, I feel that way about Todd. Like I have a blown up photo Mm -hmm. of him too. And I, I have to, I, I make myself mindfully think about him each day because i don't want to forget the little details of his face and how much joy he brought me and it's just natural for time to kind of fade our memory a little bit and Mm -hmm. there's fear behind that i don't want to forget him you don't want to forget buddy yeah yeah i think what's nice about i guess our current world is that we
1: have you know the ability to to see stuff Mm -hmm. you know memory is malleable so, of course, it's like, oh, like, our brain's going to forget, which is, you know, understandable. But right. we have writing, we have pictures, we have videos. Like, I'm sure you have a million pictures of Todd and to see him, like, the way he moved and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And, you know, same with Buddy. Like, I've got some pictures of him, you know, with all of his different hairdos and all of yeah. his different, you know, like, <laughs> ways of being where he used to, you know, I can remember what it was like. I don't remember him as a full dog, but, like. I remember, you know, what it was like and that's what matters most of all is like I still get that warm feeling of thinking about, you know, him and his impact on my life and, and that sort of thing and I guess that's like the positive side of grief is like it's also making meaning It's more than just like why did this happen but it's also like what was this impact on our life, you know, whatever thing it was, like your job, like you didn't like being there in some aspects and so for you, like, it's a blessing in a way. Not to say that, that, you know, it's not layered and has both pros and cons to it, but, you know, it was a difficult place to be sometimes. And so I'm glad that you get space from that and space to, you know, find a different workplace without feeling that pressure, without feeling like you had to find the the right space. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. No, no, you're, it.
0: you're, you're speaking my mind. It's true. I, It it's kind of like sometimes bad things happen to allow room for new things to grow. Like that whole analogy, when a door closes, a window opens. Mm -hmm. That was my mindset. Losing my job was really sad because I kind of had built a family with the people that I worked with, even though I didn't always have the best relationships with those Mm -hmm. people. It was a family. It was people I saw every nearly every day even sometimes on my off time of work, yeah. and for for at least two years. I was there for two and a half years. And so it is something to grieve about, but at the same time, I had been looking for other job opportunities because I didn't feel like I was growing at that job anymore. I felt pretty stagnant. Um, I kept wanting to try and grow and try new things, but because of the direction of the company, I just wasn't really being given those opportunities very much. And um I was looking. So even though it ended, I was upset, but I also tried to look at the situation as I was never going to let myself leave until something better came along. And for me, someone who's very comfortable with – I want stability. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot more for me to try and go do these new things or look for a new job when I already feel like stable in something. And so – I did try to see it as a blessing like okay Alyssa you're getting that kick in your ass now I don't know mm. if that's the saying is that the right way of saying it? I don't know you're getting not in your ass um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that <laughs> you're getting the kick I don't know what the saying is I don't, I don't know, know what the is. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I will leave that in there whatever um, you're just you're getting the the push whatever yeah, sure. The push to now truly find something else because yeah. uh, you don't really have a choice. <laughs> And I think that's what's difficult with grieving too because mostly you grieve about things that have ended that you have no control over and that's exactly what it was. I was like, oh, I don't get to go to them and say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, sure, I could, but it wouldn't do anything. I wasn't yeah. going to get that job back. So it's tough, but it's also sometimes the change we need is the things that we grieve most for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that makes sense. Well, kind of... Um, Feeding off of loss a little bit more, Carly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How would you say you've kind of coped with loss the most? Like, do you fixate on any certain step in the grieving process? Are you like, do you communicate? Are you someone like me who kind of hides away a little bit when I'm grieving? Yeah, I think I definitely hide away a lot more.
1: I think for me I get stuck a lot in sadness. Mm-hmm. I think more than any other step in the process, maybe maybe finding meaning kind of where you're at, but I think mostly it's it's I get stuck in sadness and coming back to that over and over again, you know, even losses that I've had from years and years ago, you know, I still sometimes have feelings that come up from that. And so for me it's processing and crying and it, you know, I do I have been talking to friends, you know, more than I used to, I think, about things like I'll talk to you or I'll talk to my housemates about how I've been feeling mm-hmm. or my partner in this case, you know, depending on when it comes up and what what it's about at this point. I think, you know, for me, it gets activated by random things. And I've always had trouble getting past the, that stage of of sadness and missing, you know, what used to be. And I think Alyssa and I had a conversation about this separately. Uh, you know, my my therapist had me watch WandaVision to try to understand the grief process a little bit better. And I think that I have so much trouble accepting that I need to be in acceptance about these things that I just don't want to be there. And I was I was telling her, like, I think Wanda was right. I think <laughs> that if I could live a life where I get to live in that perfect situation over and over again. I would try my best to do that. And that's like bargaining, that
0: sadness. Yeah. I know it's, it's crazy because as a whole, when you look at that story, cause that is a perfect example for like ha- how she um, is addressing her grief and how she's coping with it, which is the denial really more than yeah. anything because she built this whole world where she's manipulating real lives to fit this perfect life for herself she's so happy because she's getting the life that she wanted to have and to continue but in reality that's just not how the world was working and really Mm -hmm. she was hindering the people around her because she was they weren't living the life they wanted to be living but yeah yeah, I feel like so often all we want to all we really want is when we're grieving through something is we just so badly want it to be back the way it was. Mm-hmm. so I, I totally get what you're meaning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's so hard to get out of that. And I think
1: that's that's the tough part, is I think like what you've been saying about time being healing, I think that's the only way is just to like continue living life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but when I'm stuck in that place, like I just want to sit and ruminate on it and listen to sad music and, you know, process. And you know, I know, that sometimes I like want to like wallow in it a little bit too. Like that music for me is like a big way that I process a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I know, I think I talked to you last time about uh, Sam Smith has this song called palace. This, this song to me is like so emblematic of, of grief and about wanting to be back where it was and kind of wondering like, why did, you know, sometimes when you go through grief, you're like, why did I ever do that in the first place? Like kind of wanting it to have never happened. So you never feel that pain And that's kind of what, what the song is about, about like him having them, them having like a mind palace of, you know, those experiences and, you know, like essentially them saying like, I had this whole world built in my head and now it's all over and it's empty. But the chorus is, you know, the part that, that makes me, you know, kind of come to a place of acceptance about it. Um, if anybody's struggling with grief I feel like that song especially grief about relationships so the chorus is I'm gonna miss you I'm still there sometimes I wish we never built this palace but real love is never a waste of time Mm. and so that always to me is like the part that sticks most of all is is that piece of like we have to go through love because it's worth it at the end of the day even if you know those sayings of I would have rather loved and lost than never to have loved at all like you know that's the like kind of that same concept that like we care so much about things and the reason that we feel grief is because we cared in the first place enough to make it matter and it sucks losing things that matter to us
0: yeah that even though I'm sure the song is speaking in terms of a relationship that can really be applied to anything like you can love your job, you can love your friendship, you can love a, a, an object, you know, yeah. some people can, can like love a necklace that they had and, yeah. and be so sad and broken apart because they lost it or something. So yeah, that's such a good example. Yeah, I, I love music. Music's so, I know, it's just so good about like relaying emotions yeah. and messages and and so many songs even if they're about one thing can be spoken in a million different stories and that can be applied to a million different people's lives Mm -hmm. so yeah it's just general
1: enough that we can all connect (laughs) to it in some way yeah yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. do you feel like you get stuck in any stages of loss or you know I know you kind of said before that finding meaning is one that you've been stuck in before but do you feel like you cope with it in a certain way like I know you sometimes go into your hidey hole and that's like yeah
0: well that's what I was gonna probably say is that I actually have a problem with um shoving it down going in my hidey hole and not wanting to really address it yeah because it hurts more to address it but that's also the only way to get through it is to address it and I think there's a lot of moments in life where just so much is going on, you're busy, you don't mm-hmm. have time. Like that could be one of the things that maybe you're even referencing is you don't even have time to let yourself feel maybe sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just so true with people. Like part of why I probably learned to shove my emotions away is because I didn't have time to feel them. Yeah. And especially living in a world that is just so fast paced that like, if you're on the job, you don't really have time to let yourself be upset about something. And also, I think I've taught myself that fixating on something bad feels almost like a waste of time, which I don't know if I really believe in that. But the reason why I'm saying this is because, like, again, my sister who has a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. She tends to fixate on these bad things that happen to her. And sure, it's valid to be upset, but I think sometimes she might take it to an extent where it's like, okay, but now you're ruining the whole rest of your day. Like you still have a whole rest of your day to bring something good to yeah. and not just fixate on something so bad that happened. And I think, I guess I, maybe I just feel like I've surrounded myself with people like that, um, that tend to do that. And I just feel so sad for like watching them just ruin an entire rest their day whatever Mm. fixating on something bad that happened to them when they still have so much good that could be happening and so i've taught myself to shove it away so that i can enjoy the rest of the day Mm. so i don't know is that healthy is it not i i guess in some ways it could be healthy because i've been trying to teach myself to later unpack it Mm. so i'm able to like okay here's a good example like set aside time exactly i have a example so i just went to a dodgers game with my cousin and my partner and my sister and yada yada and um we were running a little behind because we had to drive all the way from san diego to la and yeah and um my partner had to get off work too so just yeah we still made it in time but uh we were rushing and When I got into the stadium and I was walking with my partner to meet up with everybody at our seats, um, I was kind of, you know, a little frantic walking around and I, like, lost my partner at one point. And so I stopped and I turned around and in the process of stopping a guy that was coming towards me, I, like, minorly stepped on his foot Mm. and very minor. (laughs) I want to make that clear. And I said to his face, I said, oh, I'm so sorry like very very clearly and his response to me was yeah watch where you're going like it was so oh, mean and i like i said oh i am so sorry yeah. and, and he was probably a guy like rh too Boy. and it's not like he was some old dude who i don't know i i yeah and i was just like i legit he walked past me and i legit turned and i was about to say like f off you know yeah (laughs) which is not my personality but i was so pissed because i like gave a genuine apology i looked him straight in the eye like and for to me i just don't get that like when when people can be in such a state where they're just like yeah watch where you're going i i can't see myself ever saying that to someone but um everyone's different and going back to what i said i found myself kind of fixating on it yeah and i was really upset. And I even let it out on my partner just a little bit. Not really. I more like told him, oh if you were close by I would have had you punch him straight in the face like I really was just <laughs> you like, always jump to violence theoretically I know. you're so funny I know it's funny yeah cause I jump to violence but also I'd never do it no <laughs> I would never do it but I that's all I want. I'm want. just like oh I wish you could have punched him yeah. cause it would be more satisfying to see him punch him than me <laughs> to uh-huh, Punch, him. sure <laughs> but anyway I was sitting at my seat when we finally got there and I was just like not letting myself enjoy the moment of being reunited with my cousin and my sister. And I'm just like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to fixate on this guy who was in a crabby mood. Um, I'm going to be here. So I did. I shoved it away. And do I still feel frustration about the situation? Yeah. But it was also just a moment in time that I uh, am capable of moving past and finding... Reason behind it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was probably in a crummy mood. Maybe he had as much of a difficult time getting there as I was. I don't know. But I'm not trying to make excuses for mean people, but I also don't want to waste my time on thinking Mm -hmm. about him. So that makes sense. So
1: setting yourself up with space to process it and then move on from it, you know, whether that's space by yourself for later or, you know, just a
0: quick five minutes in the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's my best coping mechanism. But obviously, depending on how big the situation may be, it takes longer. It takes yeah. time. So yeah, yeah. And I feel
1: like there are other types of grief of grief that we haven't even you know been able to touch on today because there's you know so much about it. So I feel like you know we'll probably have another episode in the future where we talk about you know, more, especially as time goes on and as we have more experiences. But I want to acknowledge that there are, like, also other types of grief, you know, too, that we haven't touched on, you know, and anticipatory, you know, types where we're expecting something to end, you know, at some mm-hmm. point, Um, you know, disenfranchised grief where, you know, it's one of those things where, where it's not societally acceptable to mourn or grieve, you know, that situation or, you know, complicated grief where even though we have, you know, gone through the stages of grief, there were still more and it's still sticking with us. And it's, you know, something that we still have to continually work on because it takes time. It takes a lot of time. And sometimes it can be traumatic to the point where, you know, it really sticks with us. So there's just a lot more, I guess, to it aside from this. So I also want to acknowledge that there's like more that we can talk about, but I'm Absolutely. really happy with what we have covered.
0: Yeah, me too. I also would love to go over like different religions and how yeah. different people, uh, uh, I different guess I'm speaking, practice yeah, how different cultures practice grief. Um, I guess it would be easier to find information in terms of around death, but I'm sure Carly and I will probably have an episode completely around death, like how people in other cultures celebrate it or or just process it yeah. in general so um whether it's spirituality or different other religions yeah. i just i'm i i might want to do some research and share that with yeah. our listeners to yeah. see what they think but and and totally acknowledging that this is coming from
1: two white women who yes you know live in who've lived in california their whole lives and have like very specific ways of viewing things i'm i'm looking forward to understanding and you know, sharing about the different, you know, things that we learn as we continue to explore this tale.
0: And I'm sure our question this episode that we will be asking our listeners is going to be, how do you cope with grief? Mm -hmm. Like, what are your coping mechanisms? Because I personally would love to hear what other people do like do you shove your feelings away like I do are you someone like Carly who might be a little more willing to talk to your friends and kind of hash it out through conversation or with your therapist yeah. or do you do a particular activity that really helps you get into a mindful state where you can kind of process it on your own like I just I would love to hear what everyone has to say and what they do yeah I, I agree with
1: Alyssa so you know, let us know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we don't really have a segment today as yeah. much. We're
0: skipping our segment, but we're doing that for a reason. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm sharing the reason. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so listen, I would love to respond to questions or give advice. Mm-hmm. You know, in the future, I know that you're trusting two people that you don't really know that well, or you might, or you might, or we might have some on friends listening. Our, yeah. <laughs> um, but we would love to be able to help anybody out or at least be able to offer, you know, our thoughts on any situations that you're thinking about or any random questions about life that you have. You know, it can kind of be like the questions that we talked about in previous episodes from that, that 3,000 questions book. You know, it doesn't have to be something super serious. It can be like a help me figure out, you know, what to eat for dinner type thing, <laughs> you know, it, anything really. And it, so if you have any questions, um, we would love if you emailed us or DM'd us on Instagram, you know, either works, but our email is sensitivesundays.podcast at com, And our Instagram is at sensitivesundays.podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our main goal is to just get a little conversation going with our listeners. Like, like Carly said, if you have a question, if you have a story to share with us, we'd be happy to, with your permission, obviously, to share and uh, respond. Um, I think it would be fun to kind yeah. of hear what people have to say. And if we get multiple submissions, we'll we'll pick one, and then we can always save another one for another time. So if you submit it and we don't answer it, don't worry. We can always come back to it. But, uh, yeah, that's our goal. We want to hear from you guys. So... Um, feel free to do what Carly said and send a message. But I think that's all we're going to say this episode. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you like our podcast,
1: you can subscribe. You can rate us five stars. You can comment on our podcast. You can comment on Alyssa's audience question at the Mm -hmm. end. Um, And you can also, you know, do the things that we talked about before, following us on Instagram, emailing us, you know, let us know. Your thoughts because we're so open to hearing it. And if you don't come back, you might cry. <laughs> don't make us cry. See you here, no, Alyssa. We're gonna know. grieve. I
0: cry and I grieve. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and otherwise, you know, have a great Sunday and a good rest of your week, and we'll talk
0: to you soon. Bye. Bye.